Northside family, how y'all doing? Y'all doing good? Good to see you, good to see you. Uh, always good to be back. I just love your crew, man. I, I love uh, Sam and Hannah and just the whole staff. You have such a great church and just love being here. Uh, my daughter, um, uh, she started coming with me the last time and she really thinks this place is awesome. So she's, she's tagging along in the back. And I just want to say good to be here. I'm excited to just open God's word. I'm going to dive right into it, if that's all right. So if you have your Bibles or your idols, I mean your phones, uh, open, up your, uh, open up to John chapter 14. We're going to dig in. I think Jesus has some good stuff for us today. And I just want to, as best I can, give us in the room uh, just, I think, what Jesus would say to us on how to survive difficult days. So I know some of you are walking in here like, Matt, it is beautiful outside. There's nothing difficult about today. That's great. I love you. We'll hug later. But some of us occasionally will have a difficult day. Who's had a difficult day or two? Where it just feels like there's a lot going on. So I made a little bit of a list. And I, this is not to depress you, okay? It's just to help us be real about what's going on in most of our lives. Because some of us have had to figure out how to survive a job you can't stand. Can I get an Amen. Some of us have had to um, survive a marriage. And just be honest, man, you wanna fix it and it's not like you don't love them, but you just, if, if you're being honest, you just don't know how. Some of you are not sure how to fix that chronic illness that literally, it bothers you every day you're alive. Some of you, you're not sure how to survive that toddler, <laughs> see, that toddler you can't control, can I get an amen? That uh, junior high student that you can't calm down, can I get an amen? That high schooler that, let's just be honest, they're just high schoolers. That one's like a deeper sigh of amen. And maybe the college student, when they get out there and you're just not sure, are they gonna walk away from it all? And to just, I gotta be honest, for those of us who love our families, man, there's some difficult days there. It's difficult when you have a past that you can't forget. It's difficult when you have an addiction that you can't fix. It's not like you haven't tried. It's difficult when you have an anxiety you can't turn off. Wouldn't that be nice? When you have bill, a bill or maybe bills that you can't pay. Difficult when there's a bad decision that you just can't undo. You wish you could. It's difficult when there's a, a lost relationship. And maybe it's through trauma or maybe it's just through death and you just miss them. And they're just days that just feel like you're surviving. It's difficult when that singleness is starting to feel like maybe it's gonna be permanent. When you have a longing for a child of your own and it doesn't feel like it's coming, it's difficult. When you have a person that you can't forgive and they're kind of in your life and every time they're, you're, that they're in the room, you feel like you, are, you just have to survive. It's difficult. When, man, you just gave your life to a job or a thing or a pursuit or a person that you're gonna be, you were gonna be a great mom, you're gonna be a great dad, maybe you were gonna be a great coach. You had greatness out there and you just started pursuing and you just shifted your life and you went to school for it, you put your aim in it, but at some point, because of life circumstances, it just feels like that dream you once held of what would be and where you would go, that dream just died. 
And now it's not like life is terrible, but at the same time, you just, you just know that sometimes it's just hard to survive. Sometimes you feel like you're surviving. It's, maybe it's a challenge you would never choose. You don't know how you're going to get through, and you don't know where it's ever going to end. Maybe survival's bigger, and you know, right now, our country has some stuff going on. Anybody noticed? I mean, we've got some volatility that, that y'all, I've never seen people be so mad so quick. We have epidemic loneliness. Like we've never, we've never ever tracked it being so lonely, so depressed. Economic instability, the, the march of progressivism. Then you look to the world. We've got this global march towards war and radicalization and the oppression of women and children. And it always feels like, does it feel like every crazy person has a microphone and no one with a sane mind can ever talk? And they're leading our countries. And I just gotta say, sometimes it feels like there are seasons where it feels like survival. Feels like, man, it's been difficult. How in the world are we gonna make it through? And so what I wanna do is not make you depressed. I wanna help us figure out then how do we not just survive? I wanna survive, but I wanna thrive. I wanna wake up in the midst of no matter what is happening and to know with breath in my lungs that man, things are okay, I know where we're headed, and I can trust God with my future. That's what I want. And so I think one of the things we're gonna do as we dive into John chapter 14 is we're gonna find out that is why John wrote, I think, John. The Gospel of John was written, I think, for a couple different reasons. Number one is I think it's the latest written gospel. I think that you know that. And John was the one that was closest to Jesus. And in the midst of that, he was an, he was an older, seasoned pastor when this was written. Not only that, but the church was going through more challenge than it had ever been through. And so John had an aim. He went into it. He wanted to be really clear about Jesus, 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 Jesus. And so he gave us a couple things. Number one, he gave us more interactions with people so that we would know how personal Jesus was. And you read through the book of John and you will see him time after time after time give people his eyes, give people his compassion. He was so, it didn't matter how big the crowd was, he cared about the individual. John wanted us to know that. But then the second thing is John gives us a deeper picture, a longer picture of the last week of Jesus' life. Like in the moment when the bottom dropped out and they weren't sure how they were gonna survive and how they were gonna make it through, John gives us more dialogue about that last week and what did Jesus say to them? How did he prepare them for what was coming so that they could really step into and do and be all that God had made them for? So, John 14 is the very beginning of that dialogue. John 14, it's the upper room discourse. They now have, it's, it's that last night where Jesus has been talking for six months, I'm gonna go to lay my life down. They know it's coming, they know this is the week, they've already marched him in, and everyone feels the weight of this is survival time. So what's Jesus gonna say? How's he gonna prepare their hearts so that they can really not just survive, but thrive. And so I'm just gonna give you a couple things. Number one, we're just gonna dive into the text and he just says to them, I just want you to know, I know it feels like a lot, but Jesus says right out of the gate, 
do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, listen, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. And I think the first thing that Jesus is going to whisper into the ear of a group that he knows needs to do more than survive is he says, listen, before we get started, I need to tell you something. You, and I just need you to receive this today, you have a place. You have a place. Now, a lot of times you've, you've read this passage before and most people, as soon as they read this passage, they go straight to what? Heaven. They're like, okay, so, so Jesus took off and he's off and he's preparing a place. And I just want to say this. Some of us need a, like, a redemptive picture of heaven because a lot of dudes in the room are like, so, so remind me what heaven is. Like We're like up in clouds with white sheets singing songs all the time. I'm taking a hard pass. I'll stick where I'm at. And that doesn't sound great at all. And some of us need to re Imagine if the Father, you know, if in seven days he made the world and how he created, if he has something for us, it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Some of you men need to start thinking, oh, so you're saying for all eternity, brother might be fishing up in Colorado on a beautiful stream with a deep, rich friendship with no idea of job and no stress. Anybody feel like heaven started sounding a little better? It's a new heaven, it's a new earth. We now have no conflict, we now have no mourning. It's all about relationship and we get to watch God at his finest with beauty and creation. And I would say this, if you want to survive what you're going through, I would say a compelling, fresh picture of heaven is what some of you need. That no matter what you endure, that there is, that our life, it's like a breath, it's like a mist in like the history of time and in all of eternity, it will come and it will go and be so fast, y'all. And we need a fresh picture that even when it's the darkest, that we have something, we have a place that he's reserved for us and it's better than we could have possibly dreamed. That might be what the passage is talking about. It also might be that Jesus is saying, I go to prepare a place for you. What place? Well, he said, in my father's house, are many rooms. What would a Jewish person have thought about a house at the time? Well, the only house that God had would have been the temple. It would have been in the tabernacle. And they knew that the temple and the tabernacle was not just a place to go and hang out. So I've got a space and you got a space and you got a space. He might have been saying, in my father's house, there's a place for you. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean, man? Well, see, in this house is the actual presence, the manifest presence of God. And for any of, the, any of their lives, they all knew that God's presence was something that was distant and it was complicated and you had to get through not just the altar but then the brazen laver and then you had to be a special kind of person to make it into the Holy of Holies where there's a lampstand and, and there's bread and there's a lampstand, there's a veil that you can't, nobody can even go back there except for once a year. But if you could just get back to the presence of God, everyone there knew, they grew up knowing that there is nothing like the presence of God. Every man and woman was made with a longing 
to be in the presence of God and to know God and to be known by him, the one who walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve that wanted to have a relationship with us, but then sin complicated it and there was no room for us. There had to be a way made back, but it was just so complicated and so few people got it and it could be, it could be that Jesus was saying, I go to the cross. My life is gonna make room for you so that you can be where I am. Where is that? Where there's no more distance now between you and God. Like not only do you have a place in the future, but you have a place. You get to be because of the obedient life of Jesus. You get to be reconciled with God. You have a place next to him. You get to be close to him. I have five kids. Don't judge me. Who has more than five kids? Anybody? Really? Man, you're making me, okay, I love them all. So here are my five kids, and um, I love every single one of them, and I'm an okay dad. I'm an okay dad. And uh, you can see they're all over the map. The oldest one's 20. He's like 6'4". He's the one in the middle, and, and the one on the right, he's 18, and uh, Levi's 16. My daughter, she's the one backstage. She's 14. Clear favorite. And... Um, <laughs> And then I got my little dude right there, right? And I just want to tell you this. Um, there is something about fathers and kids. And, and moms, you, you get this too. I don't want to make it. It's just a male thing. But here's what I know, that there's something about a father's desire and a child's desire to be what? Close. Some of you know because of the homes that you grew up in that there's no greater rejection than to feel like you don't have a place with your dad. Amen but there's no greater joy than to know that, like what the father said over Jesus, that you are my son. When a father says you are mine, with those fiery eyes of love, like I, you're my son and I love you and I'm so pleased with you. Like there's something so powerful in that. And these kids, man, you know, they're crazy, right? Anybody have kids? It's a zoo. And they run around and you get moments of like, moments when it's great, moments when they call, and moments when they come in, and then moments where you're like, I think I have kids, I just don't know where they are. But also, most of you know that when it comes to good fathers and good kids, what happens when it gets hard? Like when survival time comes, here's what I'll tell you what happens in my family. When it gets hard, we pull close. This is a picture of my little guy. It's Luke. If you can't tell, uh, Luke just wanted to be close to dad because it's one of those days. Ever had one of those days? It's really easy to see when it's this little guy and he's, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when things get hard, who do you go to? You go to mom, you go to dad, you pull close. But I just wanna say this, that for so many of us in this room, we have forgotten that we have a place with the father, that he loves you with a fiery love, that he has a passion for you, and that you not only have a place in heaven, you have a place with him now. 
And man, he wants to pull you close. And man, he wants his shoulders to take the burden of what you think that you have to carry. And all you need to do is come to him. All you need to do is sit with him. All you need to do is say, I need you. I need you to respond. I want my dad in the room because I can't face this alone. And here's the beauty. You have a place with the Father. Some of you are like, man, it's been a long time since I was really in that kind of relationship with him, and so I don't even know how to get there. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this in the text. He says, hey, listen, you know the, place, you know the way to the place that I'm going. And Thomas said to him, I gotta be honest, like some of us in the room, that sounds great, Matt. I would love to have that kind of relationship with my father. I just don't know how. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? So Jesus just answered, he just said, I am, I am the way, and I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he just gives three simple things. It's like a roadmap back to the Father, so you can step into the place you were made for. He says, number one, I am the way. Well, what do you mean? Well, he was... The second Adam, he was man as man was intended to be. He was fully God, but he had to be fully man. So when he comes and walks this earth, all you have to do is like when you're like, I don't know how to get back to him. I don't know what that place looks like. How do I do it? Here's what's so easy. It's almost so easy, it's too easy. Just look at Jesus. You wanna know your way back? Then that's how you pray. You pray like he's close. You close. You pray like he's breathing. It's so funny. He prayed with his disciples for so long. And, and, and like literally after years of being with him, they said, will you teach us how to pray? And he's like, I've kind of been doing that the whole time. But because you see a religion and you see prayer in front of an altar and only in a worship service, you're not picking up. Like I just talk to him like he's my dad all the time. And you pray like him, and you wanna, you wanna be close to him, then give like him, because when you give like him, then your heart just responds like, just be like Jesus, and that is the way back to the Father to step into your place. Second thing is he says, I'm also the truth. There's a lot of us that be, we're not close, we haven't stepped into that place with the Father because we have so many questions about his heart. He seems like a tyrant. Why would he let that happen? Why does he allow this to happen? Why, you know, he says so many, there's so many things in scripture that he says, and I just don't know. Is he kind? I need to know. There's nothing more challenging than trying to step close to a Father that you're not sure you trust him. Jesus just wants to say, you have questions about God? I'm the truth. Like everything that's been said before and after me will be consummated in, he is the image of the invisible God. You wanna know who God is and what he's like? Look at Jesus. How did he treat people who were disenfranchised? How did he respond to those who needed forgiveness? How did he love? How did he care? How did he pour his life out? What did he consider important? What did he consider not important? You tell me when you look at Jesus that he's not a person that you just want close. He is the image of the Father, and he is the way back to stepping into your place. He's also the life, his sacrifice. 
He laid out his life. Some of you, you know, how do I find a place? You don't understand, Matt, what I've done. You don't understand where I've been. I never had a relationship with my father. I don't even know how to do that. And he says, I understand that. That's why I sent my one and only son to die on the cross for you so that even you murderers and rapists and people have done far worse things than most of you have ever dreamed so that even you would have a place. There is not a single person in the room who does not have a place. You have a place. But you don't just have a place. He goes on and he says, well, actually, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. He's been doing a lot. And they will do even greater things. That's a crazy line. Can anybody just notice that that's crazy? Anybody feel like when you, if I just said to you today, hey, you're going to do greater things than Jesus, you'd be like, oh, I know that. You'd be like, ah, Jesus is saying crazy stuff again, man. I don't buy it. But that's what he says, so he's either a liar or there's something we need to lean into. He says they, they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. He's talking about prayer. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. And I would just say this, not only do you have a place, and I think that's important, you need to step into that, but for some of us, if we're ever gonna survive, we're gonna have to step into the fact that you have a purpose. Sometimes when you're in survival mode, the only thing you care about is you. And I just gotta tell you, man, it is so hard to experience the more than that God has literally laid out for you when your whole life is about you, when your prayer's about you, when life is around you. So many times where you're like, man, my dream and this isn't working out, my anxiety and my depression, and we get so locked up in what's going on with us and can we survive and what's happening in our country and what's happening in our world that we miss the everyday purpose that you have a, the most beautiful opportunity every single day to do. Jesus says, listen, very truly, I can't be more true. You have a purpose. When you wake up in the morning, and I get it, like right now for so many of you, you're like, maybe you used to think you had a purpose. Maybe when you started out being a parent and you thought you'd be a good one. Anybody, anybody get a good witness? And then afterwards you're like, ah, I think I'm like mid-range. Some of you started off and you're like, I'm gonna be the most amazing husband. I'm gonna lead devotionals. It's gonna be beautiful. And then you get fast forward and you're like, <laughs> oh, sweet kid. For so many of us, when it comes to purpose, sounds great. Sermons are made on it. But that's probably for other people because for you, you missed your shot. You missed your opportunity. You weren't good enough. You weren't prayed up. You didn't have good enough character. You kept making bad decisions. And so when it came time for you to be the husband that you needed to be, you weren't. When it came for you to be the father that you should have been, you weren't. When it came to be like the, just the business guy, the neighbor, the person who wakes up and just when you speak words, people are healed, people are forgiven like Jesus, the kinds of things Jesus did, you don't do because you tried it. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you just didn't measure up. So at some point, you're just like, well, I guess I'll just settle for mediocre. I'll believe in God. I'll kind of survive, and I'll never really step into what I was made for. You must have missed your opportunity. Well, I just want to say this, man, in the room. Only the enemy would say to you, you missed your shot. 
The father says, you're right on time. This is your moment. Like some of you today to move out of survival mode and to move into thrive mode, today you could go home and, and, and say, baby, I've blown it a million times, but I wanna pray with you today. And even if I, I'm, like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start trying to lead us spiritually. You could go into your teenager's room and say, hey, listen, I think I've blown it and I'm not sure our relationship's good and it doesn't have to get fixed in the next month because that's not how people work because I've blown a lot of trust. But I need you to know, I wanna try. I wanna move. I wanna, I wanna start being directed by God, I want to start stepping into the purposes of God. I'm going to go outside and I'm going to start looking around at my neighbors and go, you know, I've never prayed for them by name. I've never asked you, God, to just do something to open up a conversation so that they could come to Christ because I'm settled into my own thing and my own challenges and my own stuff. And I tried some stuff earlier, but I'm just not that guy. And I would say to you, you want to move out of survival? Then move your eyes off you. Step in, man, to the purposes God made you for. There is no greater feeling than to give your life for your kids and to watch them start following Jesus with passion and abandon. There's nothing like watching people that are far from God come to him and watch shackles break and things change and then something inside of you gets spurred and you start stepping into what you were made for. You were made for more. You just gotta step into it. So you're like, man, that sounds great, Matt. Like, so I have a place and I have a purpose. And that sounds great, but I know I'm still going home with broken me, who still has my hangups and my challenges. I still have these insecurities. I still have like this anger that I can't get rid of. I have, I don't have anybody to teach me. I don't, I don't have like some great mentor. I didn't have a great example of my parents and I certainly don't want to have one around me. How in the world am I gonna do that, Matt? Like that sounds great. And I think Jesus would say to his disciples, I'm not just offering you a place. I'm not just calling you to a purpose. I'm gonna give you the greatest gift of all. I'm gonna give you a person. Here's what I mean. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Another advocate, what is another advocate? Well, some of you know he's talking about the promised Holy Spirit. But another advocate, what does that mean? Well, it means um, a counselor, an advocate, somebody who will teach and train another rabbi, another teacher, but it's like he says, but the words literally mean one of the exact same kind. What's he talking about? He says, well, this, I'm going to give you a person. This is an unbelievable gift. I'm going to give you an exact replica of what I have done for you. So you disciples, you have been led by me. And I have admonished you. I've loved you. I've encouraged you. I've spurred you on. I've said, no, that's not what I mean. This is what I mean. I've clarified things for you. When you were stuck in your sins, some of them who were stuck in some supernatural darkness, I'll speak words over you. I will walk you into freedom. I know you need help. You needed my help, right, fellows? And they're like, we couldn't have done it without you. Words alone, rules alone won't get us there. And Jesus said, right, I'm gonna leave, but I'm gonna give you one of the exact same kinds of people for you. Who is that? 
It's the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to give you. It's, it's, it's crazy. He, he says it like this. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, here's what he's going to do. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to remind you. will teach you what kinds of things, like, like all things, like how, how to parent and how to lead and how to wake up and how to restore your heart and how to be the man that God's called you to be and how to be the woman of just of character when you know that's not who you've been. I'm going to teach you what kinds of things, everything you need. There won't be a thing that you need that I won't teach you, but I'm going to do it from the inside. And the Holy Spirit has the entire world at his disposal so he can use an 18-year-old to teach you that. He can use a four-year-old to teach you that. He can use a homeless person to teach you that. He doesn't need anything. He just needs you. And he says, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to guide you. And he just says, hey, listen. As a matter of fact, when he goes up into the heavens, he, he, he says, hey, listen, I know you're going to want to just go out and you're just going to teach and you're going to preach and we're going to live out the purpose. But I'm telling you, I want you to wait because there's no way you're going to do what I'm asking you to do without the gift that I'm about to give you. You need the Holy Spirit. He just says, listen, I know you can't do this on your own, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Anybody need that today? Just power, just guidance. Just God, like, man, lead me back into that place where I can really know you. Like, lead me back to that place where when I wake up in the morning, man, like, I know what I'm here for. And I know how you want to use me with my neighbors and my kids and my parents and everything's crazy. But when you're in the room, I know. I've seen it. And if you haven't seen it yet, if you haven't experienced Christ yet, I'm, just take my word for it. There is nothing like when he steps in the room. He says, listen. I want to help. Just ask. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Then he just goes on. He just says, John 14, 27, he says, peace or shalom. Shalom's a better word. Shalom is the filling of every full thing in every full way. So it's not like peace, like the absence of conflict. It's so much bigger than that. He's like, my shalom, my, like my fullness, what you were made for, full relationally, full like wisdom, like full everything you need, the fullness of the fullness of the full that's what I leave with you. My fullness I give you. Listen, I don't give like the world gives. I don't speak empty promises. If I said I'll do it, I'll do it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Let me encourage you, some of you who are just getting through, Number one, I just want to remind you and maybe invite you. You have a place. And I don't know if you've been distant from him. I don't know if you've learned how to step into that place. I don't know if that's something that's normal for you, new for you. I don't know what it is, but I'm just telling you. 
that the only way to survive the most difficult of days is for you to step into the place that he was made for you. Is there a heaven one day where it's gonna be better than you dreamed? Yes, and that place, by the way, First Peter said, is so secure, he's got, he's got the promise of it even, locked up in heaven. When you have received Christ, heaven will one day be your home. And it's better than you think. But number two, when it gets hard, you have a place that's close to him. Don't ever forget that. Second thing is, is you have a purpose. Some of you, how long has it been since you woke up in the morning wondering what amazing God thing he was gonna do through you today? Because that's supposed to be normal life for us. You have a purpose. Don't settle for cold, mediocre Christianity. And third is you have a person. You need help. I need help. We need help. Good news. We get to wake up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, you're my best friend. You were given by Jesus and the Father. So lead me today. Teach me today. Show me today, empower me today, help me to do what I can't do, man. I need you. Heavenly Father, no one like you. So Father, we just fix our eyes on you when we are just surviving, getting through, eyes fixed on our stuff and our aim and our lack and what can't be done. You are the God in heaven who sits on the throne room with, with Jesus by your right side, just praying over us, interceding for us at all times. You've given us the gift of the Spirit to live in us because you so long for us to be back in relationship with you the way we were made where we, we, where we stand step into our place or we step into our purpose and when we allow the Holy Spirit to just blow through us and open our eyes and empower us and give us life. So Father, do not let us settle for less. When things get hard, Father, pull us close. We pray that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.